Father, we've gathered this morning into this building, this sanctuary, this tabernacle, and it's been set aside for this purpose. But Lord, more than that, there's a people that have gathered, a people that you have called by name, Lord, and we've gathered here together, and Lord, the sanctuary doesn't bring the presence of God, but though it's a place set aside, but Lord, we bring it by our own spirit. And Father, we recognize that within ourselves, we can't do anything to, to make this service in ourselves. It takes the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're inviting that Holy Spirit this morning. May you look at us through the blood of Jesus. Lord, may you, O oh Father, minister to us this morning. Lord, we, we're in a world where every time there's a television turned on, a radio, a device, there's a ministering going on. Much of it is in, a, in an evil dimension. Much of it is to take away from the real ministry. But Lord, we're here this morning. We want to let the Holy Spirit have free course. If there's anything we've said or done, Lord, may it not hinder us this morning, but may your Spirit deal with us. Father, take aside the man, take aside our flesh part, and Lord, may you come. We give ourselves to you. Thank you for everyone that's here. Bless those that couldn't be here. Bless those that may be sick, those that may be in, in, in under oppression. But Lord, we're asking that you would have the preeminence. Granted, Father, we commit ourselves to you now. Bless the word as we read it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know you've been standing a while, just a little more. We'll read a scripture here. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll read this Isaiah chapter 9 first, 
And then we'll go back to the book of Psalms. So I'm just going to change the order. This is not so much a Christmas message as it is I'm going to relate this scripture because it's on our hearts and our minds. But Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Is he wonderful? Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So the increase of his government, his kingdom, That which he established in the Old Testament, bringing it right to, it won't end. It'll keep increasing. It'll keep getting better. Amen. That's what we're under this morning. God bless you. You may have your seats. I'm going to ask you, you've been standing, so I'm going to go back now to Psalms chapter 89. We'll read a few verses here. Psalms 89, verse 1, God bless you all, welcome you all, the visitors. I see a dear sister that I know, Sister Helen, God bless you. Nice to have you here. And all the others that are here visiting, those that are listening in, God bless you. Uh, We're just going to have a service this morning. Tonight our brother John's going to minister. So I was going to say he's going to give us a honeymoon report, but I don't want to put him in that kind of a, a bracket. But we're looking forward to the ministry of the Word. Whatever he decides to share from his travels, that would be fine. Are you looking forward to that? Amen. Amen. We appreciate our brother John and sister Hannah. Nice to have them here in our midst as well. Psalms 89, verse 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant, thy seed will I establish forever. And build up thy throne to all generations. Selah. Saul was the people's choice. David was God's choice. And he goes on to say, For who in the heavens she can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Let's drop down to verse 14. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice 
all day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted, for thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, the Holy One of Israel is our King. Now I'm going to come back and read another portion of Psalms 89, but I just do want to refer back to the scripture I read last week, and that's in Hebrews chapter 12. Last week we spoke on the true kingdom coming into view, and today I want to speak on the blood covenant at the center of an unshakable kingdom. So that's a mouthful, but it'll just... You can't remember anything else of the service, remember the title, and that'll help you. Hebrews chapter 12, if I can just pick this up in verse 22. Now in this, Paul has just been talking about how Israel came to the mountain in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 19, and it was a fearful sight, and it was with trembling, and they didn't want um, God to speak said, Moses, you speak. So Paul is drawing this analogy, and now he says in verse 22, but you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. You don't see that this morning, but spiritually, that is where we have come to. Verse 23, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. My, that is just tremendous. To the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn. And it says, to those that are written in heaven, and God the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. Now that's, that's a truth to that. Lord willing, we'll come to it a little bit. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more, but I, I want to just draw in a little bit of an analogy, and I'm going to come, come to, well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's read the next part, and then I'm going to make a couple of points here that I, I want to come to. So it will say here in verse 25, see that you refuse not him that speaks. For they, if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promised yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken, as of those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. So while the voice of God can be a fearful thing, the idea is to receive it. There's a comfort in this last day that they didn't have in the book of Exodus. There's a stability when you're under that voice. There's an assuredness that we have come under. It says, verse 28, Therefore, wherefore, we 
receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I've been listening to the message, The World Again Falling Apart. And in that message, which was around Christmas time and year end, the prophet would labor and speak about the time of Jesus, how at that time the world was falling apart at the time that he came on earth, and, and how there was an expectation. They were looking for a Messiah, but they were looking for the Messiah in a particular way. Their expectation had led them to believe that Jesus would come as a deliverer to relieve them from the oppression of Rome. And, and so can we have that expectation that we can say, I am tired of taxes. I am tired of the government and all the regulations. I am tired of, of, of one rule after another, rule after another. I'm tired of it. And, and I, I, listen, every one of us is tired of it. But are we going to change the world? No, but we are a difference in the world. Can I, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring this into a, a balance here. Okay? So, so let me just take this, uh, just give me a little bit to do that. So in this last weeks, you know, if you, if you would have read these articles 20 years ago, it would have shook you to your core. If in the middle of the Cold War that used to be with the United States and Russia and communism, this is known as the Soviet Union back then, if you would have heard their leader making statements like he's making today, he's saying, we may need to use nuclear force to change the course of what's happening. If you would hear those things, it would, it would cause a trembling. And if you are, if you are hearing those things, uh, it, it, and, and you're outside of the blood or the covering of the blood, it can be a fearful thing. And, and to much of the world, they'll, they'll find their release and they will find it in, in absorb it in some kind of entertainment, something or a bottle or some kind of a something that will just make the mind go to peace. But there is no peace outside of God and his order. You can blank those things out, but reality will strike in one day. So if you take those quotes and you know, I'm, I'm going to just read this from a message in his presence. This is the time to shake people. This is the time that God said there'd come a time. There would be a shaking again, only it wouldn't be Mount Sinai, but it would shake everything that could be moved. But we have received a kingdom that cannot be moved. Now, I, I will say this. This way, the things that are around us today, politics will continue into the tribulation. The things that the world is attached to, and we can be attached to, as a brother just said, Facebook will continue into the tribulation. Don't get too attached to it. Instagram will continue. Your, your devices will continue into the tribulation. 
But for the bride, there's an escape for the tribulation. For much of the church world, they will continue into the tribulation. But for the bride, those that are really under the blood, there is an escape. If I'm going to say some things, I'm going to make some distinctions here. And you allow me to do that because this is what we actually believe. We're not, you know, I, I, I came across something, a man of God, many years ago. He was uh, George, uh, George Mueller, I believe is his name. He was a man in England. And he said, when God spoke to me and he revealed to me that I could not change the world, but rather that I should preach the coming of Christ, it changed me. We're not going to change the world. We're not going to change things around us. But yet we are here for a purpose. Does that mean we let everything roll over us? No. We have an inheritance. We have lines to what God has given us. And we want to stand on those things. Now, Brother Brandon will go on to say, the heavens will shake, the earth will shake, but my word will not pass away. The gates of, upon this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Everything that can be shook will be shaken, but we have received a kingdom which is the word of God himself. We have received a kingdom which cannot be moved. I came across this article, and it was written by a man Actually, a couple uh, of, of individuals. It's a German, was a Hungarian-born psychologist, and then there's an Oxford scholar. But the title of this, How a Bible Error Changed History and Turned Gaze into Pariahs. And the, and the basis of the whole article is that the Bible made a mistake in their translations in the Greek relating to human sexuality, and really, if that mistake would be corrected, LGBTQ would be allowable. It says, and, and this, there, this, this one is an advocate for that, and also a scholar and a, and, a, and a researcher of the school of theology, and it says, I'm dedicating my life to repairing the division that exists between social and Christian conservatives and the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. So I'm dedicated to fixing this. How are you going to ever fix it if God condemned it? God, it's against nature. It's, it's, it, God condemned it. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and he condemns it today. And it'll, it'll never change. But this is the world around us. I, I already shared with you, Brother Branham would say that in, in response, and I believe we have a, sure, a more sure word of prophecy. Brother Branham says, think about the type of message that they had in that day and what we have. When I think of Sodom and Gomorrah has got so polluted morally until perverts are everywhere, just before the final great destruction, God sent an angel down there. He sent an angel with a message and Abraham took his way with the Lord's despised few. We're not in the majority this morning. 
Even churches are changing their views to coincide with the world around them. I, I asked my wife the other day, I said, what do you know about the Mormons? Well, I think they're clean people, they're doing this. And I just showed her an article. The Mormons are now allowing gay marriage. And I'm going, the world, listen, in the, in the message, the, brother man said, the, the, the world is again falling apart. He said, when you leave the word of God, corruption sets in. And the world is setting into corruption. I say this, I want to stay right under the blood. I want to stay under the pure word of God. I don't want to drift outside of it because it corrupts our thinking. This last week I shared with our ministers, we're all acquainted with Google. And you, you, you type in Google, and you, it's a search engine, and you type in, you know, a question, you know, and, and it'll direct you to many websites about that question. And you can just go to it. I mean, we use it for everything. Listen, who uses a phone book now? You know those big phone books looking for that? Brother Glenn, God bless you for that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you know what? We love you, Brother Glenn. God bless you for being honest. Amen. You know what? But, but the majority of us, where do we go to? Our phone. Well, this article came about this, this new website, or this new technology, which is artificial intelligence. And, and, and I just shared with our ministers, it's coming out in two years. It's designed to replace Google. And it will, all you type in is, you type in a question and say, what kind of climate is Edmonton like? It won't direct you to weather for it. It'll spit out an answer based on thousands, if not hundreds, of websites. So it'll, it'll say, well, the weather can be really nice in the summer, but in the winter, it gets cold. And no scorpions or bugs or mosquitoes live in the winter. And all the people said, amen, thank God for that. But what's the side effect? Cold weather. But you can type these things in. Now you don't get directed to a website. You get directed to an answer. And, and educators are worried because they're saying that education could change. People will go to artificial intelligence, ask an answer, and finish their exams. Because it's all going to be thought out for you. Now, they, they claim it's, it's supposed to be completely neutral. So if you type in, uh, good, this, this, it's, it's, I forget the name of the site. Brother John, do you remember it? Uh, what is it? Chat? Yes, chat something. Okay. At any rate, you type in and said, what, what do you think of conservatives versus liberals? It said, I'm a computer. I don't make those decisions for you. You have to make those yourself. So then you type in and said, what do you think of marriage? And this is the answer that comes back. Marriage is all-inclusive and allows for marriage between men and women and men and men and women and women. It leans a certain way. Listen, friends, if you, everything we listen to, news, the articles that are coming our way, the opinions expressed, it's designed to change your thinking. 
And this is going to be another step in that. And, and the thinking of the world is being changed. That it's being corrupted. And it's leading them. And eventually it's going to come as a mark of the beast against the bride of Christ. And there's very few that will be able to withstand it. And I will say, just coming to church will not be enough to withstand this. Just coming to a message church will not be enough to stand this. You've got to be washed by the blood of Jesus, by the word of God. That alone is what's going to keep you in the end time. Now, that, that's, that's just things. That wasn't even in my notes, but it just came to me. Now, this is an article this morning a brother shared with me. It says, under USA Today, Friday, December 16th, 2022. The article says this, it could happen tomorrow. Experts know disaster upon disaster looms for the West Coast. And it says, it's the elevators that worry earthquake engineering experts. A massive quake could strike San Francisco Bay Area at any minute. The city could expect to be slammed with a force equal to hundreds of atomic bombs. The shaking will cut off power. People will be trapped in elevators without power. Peak commute times, people will be trapped. Survivors will need the help of firefighters. Rescuers won't be able to come, not right away. They'll be battling infernos. Water will be in short service. Cell phone service will not work. Aftershocks will keep coming. Electricity could remain for weeks. Wow, Brother Ed, what an encouraging Christmas message. It's not Christmas yet. It's just about there. But I'm, I'm just also speaking truth. It goes on and tells many different things about all of that. Way back in 19, 19 uh, which, where's the quote? 1958, 1958, here it is. Nations are breaking, this is sorry, 1965, Thinking Man's Filter. The world is falling apart. A 1,500-mile chunk of it, 400 miles wide, maybe 100, maybe 40 miles down into that great fault, one of these days, waves will shoot, plumb out to the state of Kentucky. So this statement has been ridiculed by people. They say there's no way the waves are going to go over the Colorado mountains into Kentucky. And then the Navy SEALs put out a map and the Navy SEALs put out a map of expected flood areas if there ever is a major earthquake that would break off land. And it shows how the low-lying areas, starting with the Mississippi Delta, are all around the coasts of Florida, how the waves will shoot right up into Kentucky. It's not going to come over the mountains. It's going to come because of a massive displacement. And it says... And when it does that, it'll shake the world so hard that everything on top of it will shake down. Now, friends, we have heard this for many years. I am fearful that we get lulled into a sleep, a semi-comatose condition about these things. 
Let's, let's be real. That doesn't mean we walk around trembling, that we walk around as doomsday or prophets. That's not what we are. We're saying, there's an ark. There's a safe place that's here. I want to be able to be in that ark. I don't want to be outside of it. Listen, for the next, we're coming into Christmas. Much of the world celebrates Christmas all because of one event. Because God prophesied to Isaiah that a, a counselor, a wonderful one, would begin to usher in a kingdom. And he would be born. And so that's been perverted in many different traditions and different things. But there's a truth behind it that the world has to acknowledge is real. And they don't even know why. But even, even the Muslim world stops, stops for Christmas. Friends, what happened on the earth many years ago? A king was born. He came and he died for us. And his kingdom is still going on today. And he's and under that king, when that king was born, he was born for a purpose to redeem us to himself. The nuclear things that are happening. Many of you read this in the last week. You shared a quote that Brother Branham had said, will the church go before the tribulation? He says, before the fire fell, Lot was out of Sodom. The angel said to Lot, I can't do nothing until you come out. He says, I've got a lever in my hand ready to pull and make the fires fall from heaven. Now, it's ready to go. And now he says this, the angel of destruction is holding the hand of Russia with the atomic bombs until the church comes together, the great body of Christ. I can't do nothing until you come forth first. Friends, if you can see it, us, not just because we're something special or we proclaim it, but because God has called us sovereignly, sacredly, I can tell you of a truth what Ed Hammermeister was before God got a hold of him. And I'll tell you what, there was nothing good in him, and there isn't to this day anything good. But once God came, something happened. Something real happened. And I thank God for it. And I say, let's all make sure of our calling. West Coast, in a message ashamed, scientists speaking on an interview in television. Beneath that coast, there's a churning lava. And this is a chunk that will break loose and he said, and it will. The man interviewing the chief scientist said this, 1965. Well, could that all sink? Could. It's got to. Well, of course, that probably won't be many, many years from now. He said it could be in five minutes from now, or it could be in five years from now. And Brother Branham goes to say, just as sure as I was standing there under that inspiration, put judgment on the West Coast, 
And he said, and followed it right up here with the sinking of Los Angeles. She is gone. That's right. It will happen. When? I do not know. The word of God will never fail. I, I just want us to be reminded that God keeps his word. There's more I could read in this respect, but let's move along. Daniel chapter 2. We're going to read from Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 12. And we're going to get it right today. So, all of you who were making fun of me last week. (laughs) Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. This is a a dream that a king, the first, uh, the mighty Babylonian king... That, that first dreamed a dream, which was Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest kingdom at that time. And he dreamt a dream of an image, and then the image, and then the image went down, showing progressive kingdoms down to the feet and the toes. And at the end of that, then a rock cut of a mountain would break that image. And, and he says this in verse 44. And in the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Now we can say of an authority that the days of those kings are now. And that was Russia and the USA. And you will not find this in scholarly schools that will attribute this, but under the inspiration of God, those kings have been on the earth. And in the days of those kings, God is setting up a kingdom. Will the kingdom be in full force Before the tribulation, no. But I'll say this, the kingdom starts in its infancy and it works its way out. Because after fire hits the earth, the righteous will walk out on the ashes of the wicked, the Bible says. So he says, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. The kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So it, he says this, the next verse, for as much as you saw this stone cut out of the mountain without hands, it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made it known to the king what will come to pass hereafter. Now, the dream is certain. The interpretation thereof is sure. Now, Daniel chapter 12, if I just jump over there real quick. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel was such a critical prophet to Israel because it was in the time of their captivity that he prophesied not only of Israel's time back then, but their time in God's economy right down to this last age we live in. So Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall be increased. Drop down to verse 6. And one said to the man clothed in the linen, which is upon the waters, How long shall be the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen that was upon the waters of the river, and he held up his right hand, his left hand unto the heaven, and he sware to him that lives forever, it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Now, I don't know who's had a battle this week. But I'll tell you, I've had battles this week, 
And it's the enemy constantly coming to try to cloud our mind, to try to obscure the promises of God, trying to put natural things, natural pressures, trying to put fear, trying to put doubt, trying to portray that anything but what God said will happen. And then we need to be reminded and tell the enemy, hold on enemy, this is what your end is. Because you are raging, because you are coming against me, I know that your time is short. I know that God is coming on the scene. I know that which is in me is real. And that you hate that. As much as he hated the Lord Jesus when he was on earth in person, so he hates the people of the kingdom of God. Why? Because they show his end. And we are a sign, we are a witness that the devil's time is over. There will be no more denominations. There will be one bride that will come forth. She is not like the other churches. She is an elect lady. She's been redeemed by the blood. And she displays that blood in her walk, in her talk, in her actions. Now, verse 8 And I heard, but I understood not. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Verse 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried. I love the first part of this, to be purified and to be made white. We don't like the last part, to be tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Now this understanding is not just up here, but this is an understanding that we bear in our spirit. And if I can say it this way, if you are in the word and you're walking with God, and you, are in, you have a prayer life and a walk with him, I'll tell you what, you find, it's like, I have a device, I have this phone, I've had it for a year and a half, and I use it, and I use it, and over time you find you charge it, and the battery life doesn't go as far as it used to. So you have to charge it more frequently. I'll tell you what, to walk with God, you have to stay charged more frequently. Because I'll tell you what, it doesn't take too long. You can be in a good service on Sunday, and by Monday you find yourself all twisted up and toward it. That's the world we live in. So you have to give yourself to a walk with God. You have to say, I'm choosing not to go the easy way or the way of the world. God, give me strength. Let me feed on you. The Holy Ghost feeds on the Word. And the more you feed on the word, the more strength you have, the more discernment you have, the more power you have. And when you are weak and your battery runs low, God is there to charge it up. If you fall and you stumble, God is still there for you. That's his covenant with his elect. So now, if, if we take these thoughts, and my goodness, I'm only off, just hardly off of the first page. 
Now, last week we took Matthew chapter 13. There was six parables regarding the kingdom of God. And of those parables, Jesus would, would take different ones, the seer, the, the sower with the seed, and different ones. And we read the one about the fishing net cast into the net, and it would bring all manner of creatures in. And at the end of the world, God would, those that were not part of the catch, that was the real fish, it was all the other creatures, they crawled back into the ocean. They were separated. But the real catch, the real fish were there. They were what was in God's mind. So now if we take that thought, I want to just relate this a little bit about our expectation of the coming of the kingdom. Because at Jesus' first coming, there was an expectation for a military man to show up on the scene. And yet they looked for a general. And what was this done by? It was done by the expectation that was created even by the religious leaders. Now I'll come to this a little bit further down the road because there was a story that Brother Branham often referred to and it was regarding Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and it was the king of Ahab, the king of Israel, and each had a, a school of prophets, or they had, they had their, their expectation, and under the natural expectation, Ahab, uh, a king who was lukewarm, watered down, married into the wrong lineage, he, with all his prophets, said, God has given us this land, and they could point to it and say it's our, and the prophets prophesied, they'll take it, they'll take it. And here's Jehoshaphat out of Judah, and he comes and he says, I've heard all your prophets had to say, isn't there one more? So all I'm saying is, we are being trained to a voice. We are being trained to a certain sound. And you're not going to hear this sound in all the websites of the world, but you're going to hear it under a message. And under that message, you're going to hear what our duty is, and what our course is, and what we are here for. And I say, oh God, let me stay under that voice. So, under Jesus as he comes, and the questions that they asked of him, will you restore the kingdom at this time? It was a legitimate question. I am sick and tired of Rome. I'm sick and tired of our current government. And we could all say, yeah. But I'm also looking for the kingdom of God. I'm not just against, I'm for something. And he says, even Peter, right at the cross, you know, and, 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 and they're, they're about to take Jesus, you know, and, and, and it was just a few days earlier that Peter had said to him, you are the Christ. And he said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. A few verses later, Peter slipped out of that anointing, and he says, they'll never take you captive. And Jesus turns around to him and says, get behind me, Satan. See how easy it was for a spiritual thought to turn into a carnal thought? We heard it on Wednesday. There's a big difference between David and David in the spirit. Okay? So, so there's a big difference between a believer and a believer in the flesh. And so I want to stay under that anointing. Now, so when, they, when, when, when Jesus comes and they're about to take him, 
Peter was the first on the draw with the sword. Listen, let me just say, he wasn't aiming for the ear. He, he just, the guy either sideswiped or he didn't have a good shot. But he, but he was aiming for something here. Beheading him is what he was aiming for. So the expectation was this, but the expectation that was created even by the religious leaders at that time. And I, I'll just say it this way. We are living in an age where everything is coming into what's called a gray horse anointing. The gray horse was a mixture of the red, the black, and the white. And they all came together under the banner of death. That's the anointing. That's what's coming together. And so under that anointing, it becomes homogenized, one size fits all. Are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. And everybody, oh, it's, we're all the same then. I'm sorry, it's not that way. God has at the heart of everything a people that are there for him. Now, are we saying that, that there's a wise and a foolish virgin? The wise had oil in their lamps. The foolish didn't. And the Bible, and then Brother Adam would say, they were actually cut out of the same cloth. They were a high quality of people. But yet the foolish, the wise were there. They were holding back the wrath. They had something in them. So just to be called a Christian, it's more than that. It's not he that says, Lord, Lord. But it's one who God identifies with by his life and by his desire upon you. I'm going to just go this. But the religious teaching in that day did not aspire to a looking for the real promise of God to be fulfilled. So it was Matthew 21. Let's just pick up a couple. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Matthew 21. And he tells them this little parable. And, and under this parable, I'll, I'll just try and summarize it very, very quickly. But he, but he would tell them in, in verse 28, a certain man had two sons. And he told one son, go work in the vineyard. And he, uh, and he answered, I will not. But afterward, he repented. And he said, I, he went. Verse 30, he came to the second. Go do likewise. He said, I'll go. But he didn't go. And he says, now, Verse 31, which of the two did the will of the Father? And he said, the first. Jesus said, I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots shall go into the kingdom of, the, of God before you. He's addressing religious leaders. He's saying, you've missed the mark. He's just, you know, under Matthew 22, there was three calls that went out. Those that the invitation were given to, but they would not come. And then there was another call that went out. Go out and, and, and gather those that, from, from the fields. And finally, they, they made excuses. But then there was another group. Compel them to come in. I, I feel like sometimes I, I was the, the lowest of the lowest that God would call me. I, I'm being honest, friends. There's, I, I was nothing. Listen, just listening to the service on Wednesday... You see how low a human being can go? Even the one who is in the very lineage of God. You see how low it can go? Friends, what's holding us? It's not our sanctity and 
sanctimonious attitude. And, and no, friends, if God ever takes his hand off of us, if, you know, you can say, what's holding me? But if he takes his hand off, we're gone. There's a reality to what we believe. Something keeps holding me. So in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus again dressing the scribes and the Pharisees, and he tells them, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, but he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, he calls them, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. A guy that would come out as a theologian and say the Bible made mistakes in translation and they, they misinterpreted it and therefore have excluded gays and lesbians and all of these things. What's he doing? He's shutting up the kingdom of God to men and women. I know this is heard, but it's the truth. Friends, it's the truth. We can, we can say, well, you know, you might, live, you might be in a workplace where <coughs> they tell you you can't refer to a she or a he or a him or a whole or whatever it is. Listen, they had, a, they had a little article I saw, a little video clip of a woman addressing a teacher's conference and she comes in there in a cat outfit and says, I am a cat. And she says, now, you go and tell some of your youngest students and ask them if I'm a cat. They know better. But you teachers don't know that. And you will put out cat litter because somebody says they're a cat. How ridiculous. The world is insane. And I say this, it'll keep getting worse. We never thought... We never thought that Luke 17, the days of Sodom, the days would come as low as they have come, but they have. So he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you shut up the kingdom of heaven. You don't go in yourself, neither do you suffer them to go and enter in. Then he goes on to say in, in verse 13, that, uh, entering them to go in. Okay, so I, I just want to keep moving along here. Now, Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, in, in verse 27, he would, he would go and talk and he says, the Son of Man shall come in glory with his fathers and the angels. He'll reward every man according to his works. And then he says, verily I say unto you, there'll be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So they're saying, the kingdom will come. It won't be a general, it won't be what you think it is, but it's going to come and you're going to see it. And what's the next verse, the next chapter? It's, it's Matthew chapter 17, Mount Transfiguration. And up there is Moses and Elijah, <coughs> there's a voice, and together with Jesus, and there's a voice, and Peter is saying, let's build three tabernacles. And then a voice says, this is my son, Hear ye him. This is the coming of the kingdom. Lord willing, we'll take that into Christmas message on, on Sunday. Now, just moving along. Mark chapter 12. The kingdom. So, here, here was what was a religious organization. The Pharisees, the Sadducees. They had the law. They had everything of Moses. But they missed the kingdom. 
They miss the heart of it all. They miss the center of it all. And so this man, he comes to him and, and he asks him about what's the greatest commandment, etc., etc. Now Jesus answered him and said, The first of the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So he's, he's, he's sharing this with him. And this is in, in Mark chapter 12. Just go to the next verse, if you will, please. I want to just pick this up. Uh, and so if you just go, so the guy, the guy agrees with him, and, and then he says, and yeah, that's true, Lord. And he says, verse 33, to love with all your heart, etc., etc. Verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, now he's, he's catching the principle of the coming king, and he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Can I, can I say it this way? We have the message, we have, we have all the prophecies, we have all the Bible that God has opened to us, but if we hold envy and malice and if we hold a wrong attitude and we don't have the right approach, we're not in the kingdom. That's just the truth of it. But if we have humility and there's a love of God in our heart and we are there and, and though somebody may not be called to the level you're called to, but you just love them anyhow, I'll say this, you're not far from the kingdom. If somebody calls you names or is your enemy and yet you pray for them, you're not far from the kingdom. I think God's bringing us to that level. Friends, this is what the message came for. There's been so much misinterpreted. If you don't see this, you're out. If you don't have this, you're not in. You'll never make it unless you see it the way. I Friends, what, where did that come from? That started, those spirits were here when Jesus was here. The kingdom of God, it's a mystical body. I will go on as far to say, at the center of it, there's a bride, but outside of it, there are Christians as well. There are some that will come through a white throne, through a white throne judgment, they'll come through a tribulation, they'll have their garments washed, they'll enter in. There'll be Jews that will enter in. God's, God's got a much greater plan than we think he does. And if we see what we see, it's not to lift our heads and be haughty. It's not to do any of that. It's rather to have humility. It's rather to say, oh God, I was nothing. And in your mercy and your grace, you showed me this. Lord, I have so much to thank you for. Luke 17, verse 20. There's so much I could, could preach of this. When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So we walk on this earth. We see the kingdoms, the, all the trees coming into their fruition. Trees, as Jesus would say in Matthew 24, that would be the nations, that would be Israel coming into there, but all the other nations putting forth and budding, they're all coming into their things, but there's a nation on earth that is not recognized, and it's a people, it's a holy nation. Just like David, when he came, there was 400 that gathered up to David, they saw he was a king coming into power, and they came up to him. 
They align themselves with him. Friends, to, to be able to recognize God in the present is, is something that is, it, it, it's only if there's a little something in there. The thief at the cross recognized God in the present. He was a thief. He had done wrong. One of the, the other men, he says, you know, he just started cursing, and the other guy said, we've done nothing. He says, I've done wrong. This man's done nothing wrong. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, verily, today you'll be with me in paradise. What is the kingdom? To recognize the king. Listen, it was Abraham wandering to and fro. He was looking for a city. He couldn't find it anywhere. He was looking there. He was looking there. God had promised him. God had put something in his heart. There's a city somewhere. And then one day he meets a man and he has communion with him. And that man, that communion we had, that was the king of that city. That was Melchizedek. And Abraham knew that city was there even though he didn't see it because he'd met the king. How how do you know there'll be a rapture, brother Ed? Because the resurrection is in my body. Because it's quivering within me. The word is alive in me. That's how I know. How do you know you'll be there? Because I hate the things of the world. Because they have no part in me. And even when I do stumble and fall, there's something that picks me up and says, Oh God, forgive me. Thank you. Let's just move. My goodness. I'm, I will carry this, Lord willing, to next Sunday. But Matthew 25 is the parable of two virgins. One that took oil, one that didn't. I won't have time to go into it. I want to read something Brother Branham says. Because we can make the gospel something that it is not. We can say... For a brother, if I'm a real believer, I'll get my hair cut, I'll pay my tithes, I'll come to church. And we therefore say, therefore, I am a believer. For a sister, you can say, well, I wear a dress, I don't cut my hair, I, I obey my husband, I, I do the things, therefore, I'm a real believer. Let, let me just read something Brother Branham would say. And he would, would say it this way. Sister, brother, let me tell you something. Don't try and reason it out. Don't try to have long hair because I said so. Don't try to do these things just because in your flesh. Don't try to do it. You mean we're not supposed to do that? No, he says, just kind of cope up. Don't do that. That's what he's saying. Well, I better do it because if I don't do it, somebody will say something. Don't do it for that reason. Rather, be real. Be real. And he said, but wait on the Lord. Wait till something comes down on the inside. Now, many of you think because you have long hair, that means you're going to heaven. That doesn't mean that. Many of them think because you're a good moral woman. No, it doesn't mean that. Or because I belong to this church or this group. That doesn't mean that. And then he goes further. Because we speak in tongues, that doesn't mean that. 
but a real, genuine Holy Spirit in there will cope with every word. Now, I've had people tell me, I'll just share something about what, what I, I give some instruction, and then I've had people come and ask me and said, where do you find that in the message? You know what, I, I actually get a little grieved by that. Because if the real Holy Spirit is in you, and let me just say it this way, even if I can't find a quote for it, but something resonates within you and tells you it's right, you should say amen anyway. It's not he that reads the quotes and says amen, but it's he that speaks the word of God and something deep answers inside. That's the truth. What are you saying? Let's go a little higher. Let's go beyond the outward form. Let's move into the realm where it's God living, breathing inside of me, working his way out. I've often said, you know, David, all he knew is the Spirit of God came on him and he killed a bear. And then he killed a lion. And that same Spirit of God came upon him even when he met Goliath in the face of the opposition of the church around him. Even when their king told him, put on this armor, David actually said, no thank you. I can only go with the God that I know. The God that has made himself real to me. Sometimes we get ahead of the program of God. We think, okay, I've got to do this because I'm a believer. No, let God do it in you. Let God work it through you. Let him do it. So David wasn't there. You know, he's, he's, he, he met a lion, he met a bear, and now he comes Goliath, and, and, and all the nation of Israel is quivering. He started looking up quotes, Goliath, Goliath, Goliath. He didn't do that. What he had was so real, it was in him. And when they came to Peter on the day of Pentecost, and, they, and, they, and he said, what's happening here? What means these things? And what did he say? This is that. Not that is this, trying to fit into it. But this is what's happening. is the fulfillment of Scripture. Why do you gather the way you do? Why don't you just have a one service every week, just like everybody else? I can't help it. This inside of me is a calling out of the bride. It's beyond just a form. It's something that's real. I say this, if it has become a form, this is not just to young people. If it's never gone beyond the form, let God take a hold of you. Don't let it be a form. And if it has become a form, just say, oh God, I am not what I should be. I need a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Brother Ed, do you ever pray that? Yes, I prayed it this last week. I said, Lord, I need a refilling of the Holy Ghost. I need more of you than I've had before. I'm tired of myself and my stinking flesh. But Lord, when you come, it changes everything. When you come, that's the reality. Now, there's more I could share on these things. I'm trying to get to something, and I'm really having a hard time getting to it. Brother Branham would, would talk in, a, in different messages, and he would talk about, 
the different kinds of believers. He said there's unbelievers, make-believers, and believers. The three exist everywhere across the world. Three classes of people are sitting. They always gather. One, it doesn't, one, one class, it doesn't make any difference what comes or goes, but they still believe it. They are thoroughly convinced. There's another group that will believe so much of it and then don't want to believe the rest. That's unbelievers. Then there is the make-believers is the ones that hangs on, just sticking around till they can find something, and they say, aha, there you are. That's what it is. Aha, I thought there was something. There where you are. But the real believer, that doesn't stagger him at all. When there was these challenges that came out, there's no newspaper articles documenting a bridge and 16 men dying on there. Therefore, no, to the real believer, that doesn't make a difference. Because what happened on the inside is greater than finding a newspaper that had something there. And if you want to go that far, you're not, you're not going to stop at anything. You'll go all the way back down into the Bible. Show me how they could walk across the Red Sea. <laughs> Same spirit, exactly. Same spirit. I believe what God's Word said. I believe that a fish, not a, not a whale, because they've all documented a whale. No, the Bible says a prepared fish. A fish that was born big enough to swallow a prophet that was going to grow to swallow a prophet one day. That's what God did. A prepared fish. I also believe that God is in charge today. And according to Revelation 17, there's a beast that's rising up. There's an image to the beast that's rising up. And all the nations around the world, God is going to put it in the hearts of the believers to agree with the beast, and they will give them a mind like one. In fact, they're all gathering already. But there's also a people on the earth that will not go with that. That will separate themselves from that. Now, now we'll go with the last 15 minutes Reader's Digest condensed version. <coughs> Genesis, man was a god. He was a ruler of a kingdom on earth. After the fall, two seeds came forward. They manifest in the form of Abel and Cain. Now, both of them worshipped. Both of them sacrificed. Both were at the east of the Garden of Eden. Now, there was a distinction, however. One gave a blood sacrifice, and it also reflected in his nature. The other did not. In, in the time of Isaac, when he had two sons... There was Esau, he was a good man, he was more religious, he was better to look at outwardly, but then there was Jacob, who was a shyster, who was a deceiver, and he stole the blessing. Outwardly, he did not look like the promise was going to be made or fulfilled through him. But yet God had already prophesied through his mother and said, the elder shall serve the younger. So inside of Jacob, there was something he hungered for that he could never get away from. 
It was the very thing that God loved about him. David, though he sinned, though he transgressed, he was still identified a man whose heart was after God's heart. A man after God's own heart. Now we read last week, Genesis 49, I won't read it again, but this was the prophecy of the four sons, uh, or, or the beginning, the first four sons that were uh, of the, the lineage from Jacob. So there was Reuben, there was Levi, there was Simeon, I think it was Simeon, then Levi, and then there was Judah. And under Judah, it was prophesied that under Judah, there would be uh, a scepter. In other words, a king would come forth out of Judah. So that promise followed all the way through the Bible. It followed through even when Judah had two sons that were in the lineage that died, and then the third was, was not even given a wife, or the third, it was Tamar, who under the Levitical law had that right, but God moved on her. What was it? It was the lineage of Judah being fulfilled. It was Tamar in, 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 an, in an incestuous act with her father-in-law that went and got a child. I would say that the hunger and the craving that God put inside of her was not a filthy thing. It was actually a thing that compelled her to be righteous before God. Now these things are not easy to see, but they're written in the Bible. Now, we could also touch on Rahab, we could touch on, 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 on Ruth, we could touch on Bathsheba and the others. But let me just take this thought, Exodus chapter 19. I'm going to try and just freak this part quickly and we'll close and then we'll move into next week again. <coughs> Exodus 19. Now, this is when they've come out um, and God is speaking to them, telling them what he's done as they came out of Egypt. Verse 4, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bear you unto eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. But naturally speaking, he had his eye on Israel, on a little piece of ge geography for Israel. And then in verse, he says, now, the, all the earth is mine. Verse 6. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Look at this. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto Israel. So, we know that Levi was a first fruits of the priests. Levi was of the tribe of Levi, and he was, he was the one that was there acting as a priest, and he was given all the discharge of all the duties. But yet, the real high priest that was to come was going to be out of the tribe of Judah. And that was going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also going to be the king. If you actually follow through the whole birth and lineage of the Levitical priesthood, I don't have time to go into today, but Moses' father was a priest. If you actually follow it, Moses' wife, her father, was also a priest. And God brought the two together. Now, that was to keep a pure bloodline. But the purer bloodline, rather than natural Israel, was going to be the bloodline that the Lord Jesus Christ had written before the foundation of the earth. Now, just jump over to me, Hebrews chapter 7 for a minute. 
Hebrews chapter 7. Let's read from verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. Now we took this service several weeks ago, but it was how the, the natural man comes first, but afterward the spiritual. Now in God's economy, it's much the same. For the priesthood being changed, there was made of necessity a change also of the law. Because under the Levitical priesthood, under the law, which condemned you, which would never, you could never live up to. But to show the righteousness of God, the law had to be there. Next verse. So, for he to, of whom these things were spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Now, remember, in, in an exodus, there was always God progressing. So when he took Israel out of Egypt in the exodus, God was progressing in his redemptive work. And he was bringing them to a mountain, to an order, to a law. In the second exodus, there was also a progression. And there was also a people that were natural, that had the law, but they had to move to a spiritual level. Because all they did was the outside form. It wasn't really in their hearts. And that couldn't happen under the blood of bulls and goats. So it could only come when the true lamb of God would come. The righteous king. Also one ordained to be a priest. Forevermore. For by one sacrifice forever he hath redeemed Jew, Gentile, every one of us. Oh, friends, if you could just catch this. God in his heart wanted to be one with his people. And they had fallen. In his mind before the foundation of the world, he saw Calvary here. And as he saw Calvary, he thought about himself and he thought... I'm going to do it. I'm going to take their place. So he already began to formulate in his mind, I'm going to start way back in the book of Genesis. I'm going to kill some, an animal and give a covering to Adam and Eve. And then I'm going to give them the law and I'm going to give them the Levitical order. But I'm going to keep moving forward all the time. I'm going to bring a David on the scene. And David who doesn't have a right to any of them, but he's going to type me. And David who doesn't have a right to the the tabernacle into the order of the tabernacle. He's going to be hungry one day and he's going to desire some showbread and I'm going to allow him to go into that because it's foreshadowing me and what I'm going to do for a people. So God hidden in the Bible in all these types he is seeing all of this and he's bringing them up to Calvary. And when he comes to Calvary he redeemed all those back there that died. Abraham, Sarah, all those that died. Uriah, all of those were in there. But he also projected forward. Yeah. 
And he also saw what the atonement would do. It would be a fullness. It would come to a place where it would start to display in the Ephesus age, under the Ox age, under the martyrs, and all of them would die because the, 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 the bride tree had not come to its fullness yet. The seed had to go on the ground. But he was going to have a place for him. Coming down to the end where God was going to display himself and embody himself in a people. You and I, we make mistakes the same as David did back there, as Abraham did back there. But what's the difference? They died unto this place. And they believed, and God said, that's righteousness. We have died believing also on this place, and that God is bringing a fullness, a gathering in the fullness of times. We're no better than they were back there, but we're under the part of the word that God has attributed to this age. And in this age, he's gathering a people. So that's our righteousness. Listen, let me read it this way. This is in the future home talks about how God baptized the earth under water in Noah, under the blood in Jesus Christ, and under fire to come. Same as us. Now, he said, you try to become a new person. You, no, it says, you became a new person, not an old one patched up. But God takes the old man, burns him out completely with the Holy Ghost and fire. No man can come to me except the Father has drawn me. Now he said, Satan will be taken from the earth just like Satan was taken from you. Now, was he taken away from your outside man? No, this part has not been flesh. But inside, the desires have changed. Inside of me, there's something, even when I fail, it looks up and says, Abba, Father. And he says, you never did it in the first place. I don't look at your flesh, I'm looking at the blood. And now listen, he says, now, for God from the foundation of the world, he foresaw him. He sent Jesus to redeem him, and the blood speaks for him. Satan cannot bother. He can tempt, but he cannot get a born-again Christian. He can toss you up and down and to and fro, but you'll still come a bobbing right. Just like the Jewish nation. The, the world can't figure out why this nation keeps coming up through history. Because they're a part of God. So is the born-again Christian a part of God. And he says, God, the blood speaks for him. How can he sin when he can't even be seen by God? The only thing he hears is your voice under the blood. Lord, I never meant to do it. Lord, remember me according to your promise. Remember my family according to your promise. Lord, I raise them up in the way that was right. And Lord, though they stray, they will not leave. Lord, they're under a covenant. I don't know if you can understand today. The most powerful people on the face of the earth are the praying people under the body, under the blood of Jesus Christ. If our prayers can hold back Russia, surely our prayers can be there for our loved ones. Surely our prayers can be there for healing. I believe that we are here, not just as a people hoping to get in, but we're here in the place of Jesus Christ. 
He has brought us here for a purpose. We are his hands. We are his, we are his feet. We are his mouth. We are his ears. So, it was a kingdom of priests. Revelations chapter 1. I'm just going to briefly touch on this. I won't get into it fully. Revelations 1. Verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you in peace from him which is, which was, which is to come in the seven spirits before the throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sins in his blood. Verse 6. And he has made us not just priests, but kings and priests. Israel, if you, if you look at the order in heaven, the bride will be with him in his throne. Israel is only the attendants outside the throne. They're the priests. But there's an elect lady that sits on the throne with him, ruling with him. He hath made us kings, kings, and priests. What a high calling. You mean it's beyond just going to church? Yeah. You mean it's beyond just rehearsing the Ten Commandments? Yeah. You mean it's beyond just doing good? Yeah. If, if we can see how much he did for us, friends, it's not a duty now. It's, it goes down to saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, this little space of time that I have compared to all that awaits in eternity, Lord, let me be Esther in this generation. Let me conduct a righteous judgment in my affairs in this generation. Let me have a right attitude towards brethren and situations. Let me stand for truth. Let me be that bride that displays the blood of Jesus. Can, can you see our place, friends? I, I, I don't even have time to get into it today. But if you want to take this and just read it through, I'll, I'll, I'll have to take another service. But if you look at the two kingdoms, let me, let me read just two verses and then you'll see. 2 Samuel chapter 2. 2 Samuel chapter 2. This is after Saul passes away. Saul, a king out of the tribe of Benjamin. But now David, anointed by Samuel, out of the tribe of Judah. Verse 1, And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the cities of Judah? And the Lord said, Go up. And he says, Where should I go up? Go up to Hebron. So David became the king of Judah. He became the king of that tribe that God had prophesied of. And David, watch how he conducts himself. Did you know it was actually another seven years and six months before he began to reign over all of Israel? But what was it? Look at, he didn't try and orchestrate a political move. He said, God has established this. Let's just drop over to 2 Samuel 5. 2 Samuel 5, verse 12. 
David, he conducts himself with the other kings, and, 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 and I, again, this will be the next service, but maybe not the next one, but one of the ones coming up. 2 Samuel 5, verse 12, and David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. If you actually watch now in the Bible through Judah, Judah, that became all of Israel. Solomon came on the scene. Solomon passed off the scene. Solomon's son, Ishbosheth, he, he went he, 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 he didn't rule according to David or Solomon. He, he ruled his own way. And then 10, 10 tribes separated. And God said, I'm giving these tribes to Jehoram, I believe it was. And he says, but for David's sake, I'm keeping Judah. And if you actually follow through, read, read for David's sake. Because you read, Israel got into trouble and God was going to condemn him. And he said, for David's sake, I will not pass judgment. For David's sake, I'll do this. I don't even have time to get into Jehoshaphat today. But it was David, or Jehoshaphat, of the kingdom of Judah, comes up to the most wicked king. But there was something in Jehoshaphat, out of the tribe of Judah. He could not get away from the real word of God. If I can say it this way, Israel, the broader kingdom, was held by one tribe, Judah. And we've almost come to the same place again where I'll say this, the church is no longer standing for God, but there's got to be a people that are standing for the word of God. Does that mean that they don't believe in God? They do. But the fullness of the atonement, let me just read this and then I just got to close here. He says it this way. Will the foolish virgin be saved? Question. Question. Whatever happens to her now, now she will have to go through the tribulation period. The reason is she has rejected the atonement in its fullness. She is a believer, a professed believer, but she'll have to go through the tribulation period. We've received something and said, this is the truth, this is a message. It's not just receiving words, but it's receiving the atonement, the fullness of it. I believe what God has sent to us. Listen, it's quiet. I've, I kind of left you hanging, and I, I'm not going to go further with this today. But I, let's have the musicians come. I just want to say this, friends. If we can recognize, what, what has God called us to? I'm not saying that I'm better, we're better, that because we have title of message, we're, it, it's far from that. And, and I, I'll go further and say, we can actually give ourselves those titles and we can be contradicted because the real believer is under the blood. The real believer doesn't draw lines. The real believer operates from a position with the king, a relationship with the king, and it crosses all kinds of lines. The, the love of God reaches way beyond. Oh, they don't come to my church, therefore I'm not going to do... Oh, they did this to me, therefore I'm... That, those things don't enter into the equation anymore. I will do anything in my heart to help anyone, anytime, anywhere, any place. And I believe that's the Spirit of God. I, I, I say it this way. I, I believe that the, the souls that are going to be won before the end of everything comes, they will not be won by convincing them of just the right doctrine. 
They will be one because they see something like they saw in Jesus Christ. They'll be like those men that saw something in David. I can't figure out, but I know he's a king coming into power. They'll be that way. And I say this, let that love, let that show, let that shine in us. Let's not just be religious. I I don't want to be religious. I want to be a Christian. I want to be right. I want to be genuine. And if I need more of God, I'll pray a little bit more. I'll come a little earlier to church. I'll spend time at the altar if I have to. But give me Jesus. Don't let me be void of the Spirit of God. Is that your desire this morning? Let's stand together. Kind of chopped it up at the end there, but I'm going to somewhere and Lord willing, we'll pick it up. Amen. Appreciate God. I appreciate His Word. I appreciate the truths that we're under, and I thank God that we are here. The blood will never lose its power. The blood.